Okay, Brewers After Dark this week, everybody. Stay up late, get your coffee, get... No worry. I got you for your recaps all week long. Today, we got a crossover. Let's chat with Javier Reyes, Locked On Podcast, and get you ready for a big road trip. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning. Happy Monday, everybody. Thanks for making Locked On Brewers your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. I'm Dominic Catronio. I'm the statistician of Valley Sports Wisconsin, bringing you all the news and nuggets you need to know about your brew crew here in the 2022 season with your only daily podcast dedicated to the crew. If you haven't already, hit subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or right here on your podcast platform. We bring you Monday through Friday new episodes every single day. So this episode is a crossover. We're going to be chatting with Javier from Locked On Padres. We go back and forth getting you ready for this week's series. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here in the pre-roll, but let's just go through some headlines real quick of pertaining to the Brewers. And at the top of the list, Freddie Peralta. Bound for the injured list after exiting yesterday's game. It was a blowout, 8-2. to two, Tough one for the Brewers. That's not the subject of this podcast. Freddie Peralta is going to be going on to the injured list. Right shoulder tightness is how it is described by the Brewers. And he is set for an MRI today. What does this mean for the Brewers pitching staff? Well, ironically enough, right before the game yesterday, Craig Council announced the team's intentions to keep a six-man rotation, meaning Aaron Ashby would be used in the rotation, not as a piggyback with Brandon Woodruff. And now, post-game yesterday, he announced their intentions to keep it as a five-man rotation. And a reminder, you're three days in to a 17-day stretch in which you play 18 games. You're about to hit an 11-game, 10-day road trip Three against the Padres, four against the Cardinals, and then four in three days against the Cubs. This is going to separate the Brewers in figuring out what kind of a team they are and now having to deal with an injury to Freddie Peralta. He will not be available at all on this road trip. And with Craig Council saying the fact that they want to stick with a five-man rotation, it seems to me that they are not intended on calling anybody up, specifically Ethan Small. There is a 40-man spot available, but the Brewers are choosing at this point to not call up anybody to fill the void left by Freddie Peralta. And a reminder, in just six days at the end of the week, after May 29th, the Brewers are only allowed to have 13 pitchers anyway. They've been carrying a bigger bench as of late and only an eight-man bullpen. And without having Freddie Peralta, this bullpen is really going to be taxed over the next uh, 14 days or so before this streak ends until the next off day. A lot of things to figure out as far as middle relief. Yesterday was a blowout. Brent Suter uh, and uh, Luis Perdomo pitched in, in yesterday's game. Perdomo pitched exceptionally well, by the way, too. This isn't so much about yesterday's loss, but more about previewing tomorrow's series or today's series against the Padres. Uh, we can talk about the weekend another time, but the point is the Brewers won the weekend series two games to one over the Nationals. They got good enough pitching until the third inning in yesterday's game. And for the Brew Crew, the way things look with the offense, once Willie Adamas comes back, they're going to need him. Now that Kutch is back, he nearly hit another leadoff home run yesterday. Uh, Yelich just missed a couple. The theme of yesterday was just missed a couple. But don't let yesterday's sour note ruin what was a great homestand, a 4-2 and two homestand for the Brewers. You win series, and at the end of the season, you're going to look back and say, dang, that's a pretty darn good season. Without further delay, I want to jump into our conversation with Javier Reyes, 
from Locked On Padres. Let's, I, I got to ask you some stuff about the Brewers because that's why I wanted to reach out because I've been kind of I, I, a little bit mean about the Brewers, admittedly. A little? And the reason I've been mean, I've been in the World Series for, you know, a long time, right? And they just come off of this season where they were objectively great. They had a three-headed behemoth. Why is it that that team doesn't then go out and spend a little bit of money in free agency when they are 20th in payroll and all of baseball and they were just so good before? This isn't a rebuilding team. They're very, they're quite good. And on top of that, um, you know, Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns and who's the last one? Uh, and Brandon, Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff aren't, you know, free agents next year or anything like that. So can you tell me, expose me to the listeners? Should I be easing up on the Brewers hate? Why is it that they didn't necessarily make some investments in some areas, especially like the offense? If you ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, that, that's <laughs> it's the old adage. Yes, the offense was slow. And I'll get on that in a moment. There, I think you mm-hmm. share that same sentiment with a lot of Brewer fans locally mm-hmm. here in Milwaukee saying, why didn't principal owner Mark Adonacio spend more money when he knew the offense was the Achilles heel of this team? But let me explain that what Mark Adonacio did, first and foremost, people want to rip on the Brewers for not spending money. They still have their largest opening day payroll ever. Okay, it's mm-hmm. not like they're going to suddenly spend $200 million overnight. That's not how they roll. Number two, David Stearns, the president of baseball operations, is known for pulling all the right strings when it comes to trades and pitcher development. Offense is always the most expensive thing in free agency. And were the Brewers linked to Kyle Schwarber? Yes, but where is he going to play? He can't play first base. DH was going to be an interesting proposition for him to have a solely left-handed DH. It may not have been a fit for him, and given the fact that the DH is obviously universal, which increased his price because now every single team is going to want him. The reason why I say you don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but the way things the Brewers did it is that they reworked things. Last year, the worst hitter on the team and arguably the worst hitter in baseball was Jackie Bradley Jr. And David Stearns flipped Jackie Bradley Jr. for Hunter Renfro. And Mm -hmm. I think we're going to look back in five years and look at this list. Granted, they had to send a couple of prospects over to the Red Sox to make this deal work. But you're going to look at this trade and be like, how the heck did David Stearns flip the worst qualified hitter in baseball for A, one of the best arms in baseball, B, one of the best power-hitting corner outfielders in baseball, and see a guy who doesn't have to worry about a green monster in left field anymore and can hit it to wherever <laughs> he wants to now. Some of that you guys are familiar with and Hunter Renfro in the Padres. So yes, I, I love that trade because you get rid of JBJ's bat. You don't lose anything defensively and you add power. Secondly, they add Andrew McCutcheon, a great candidate for a bounce back year and a guy that is becoming the everyday DH primarily because of his damage against lefties. He's still got a career over thousand OPS against left-handed pitching, which has always been one of the Achilles for the Brewers' last two seasons, especially this year, too. So that fact that he is now at the top of the order against lefties, giving some legit pop to the team, that's helping things out. And finally, having Roddy Telez every day at first base is an instant upgrade from the platoon last year of originally Travis Shaw and Keston Hira. Listen to that for a second Mm. at first base. Travis Shaw and Keston Hira at first base. That is already (laughs) an upgrade of having Roddy Telez every day at first base. And Keston has had a really good week. He's back from AAA. Still a lot of swing and miss, but I want to see him get more consistent playing time, which is why I want to see him in AAA, and then he comes up as needed. This off the bench, in and out, isn't really working for Keston. But to your point, I understand why folks are mad that the Brewers didn't spend a lot of money this offseason, but they also owed all these guys an arbitration. Hater, 
Burns, Woodruff, they were all eligible for arbitration this year. So they all got raises, even though it wasn't an extension. Gotcha, gotcha. That is a fair counter, 100%. And I think that, just to use a little bit of a crosstown, as I am on the East Coast, I hear the people talking all the time. The Yankees were also similarly, now granted, they still spend a lot of money, but they similarly, a lot of Yankees fans are just used to the splashes. And instead, they just did little upgrades, which it sounds like what you're, you're kind of explaining to me. They won 95 games last year. That's a very, very key point to remember. Won the division. They were very good. Um, if not for an upsurge at the end of the year by the Cardinals, it would be a landslide right, for them for the division. And they basically just made minor upgrades. The Yankees, they said, get rid of Gary Sanchez and his defense. And with Gio Urshela, we went to Donaldson, who's probably not a player to be talking about right now. But nonetheless, yeah. just in terms of minor upgrades, they kind of improved there. So I do get that. But I am also... I guess let's just move on to some other stuff, though. With the offense, though, in general, and shout out to Hunter Renfro, who I've always said, if you literally just look up, if you were someone who didn't know anything about baseball and you watched some of Hunter Renfro's hits, you'd be like, that's the best player in the game, right? <laughs> like He has some absolute mammoth hits and, like you said, very effective power hitter. I think low key for Boston uh, for a, a brief stint and can sometimes play a little bit of good defense. So I didn't mind that one as much. And Andrew McCutcheon at, at the minimum is just very likable. Um, but I'm wondering in general though, still with the offense, Christian Yelich, I know if you pull up his savant page, everything's red aside from outfielder jump. I think, mm-hmm. do you think that Yelich has been quietly kind of coming back into that semi or even just MVP mode? And if he is, is that enough for the Brewers' offense to be carried for the rest of the year, do you think? He's not quite an MVP mode again. Uh, mm-hmm. He is past league average mode right now, which when you're paying a guy over $20 million a year, you want him to be way better than league average, obviously. But with with Yelich, right now he's in a weird funk of hitting a million ground balls, which kind of <laughs> skews his hard hit data because ground balls mm-hmm. will always hit harder than fly balls. Gotcha. So the fact is Yelich is still – Infinitely better than he was last year. And first and foremost, he's healthy. He's dealing with a back issue. It seemed to be a lot bigger of an issue than he let on last season. And now he's actually hitting the ball hard. He's having good at-bats. Right now he's in a ground ball funk, but obviously he had the cycle against the Reds a couple of weeks ago. But since then, Mm -hmm. he's kind of really cooled off since that cycle against Cincinnati. Would like to see him elevate the ball a little bit more. But, you know, truth be told... A lot of folks were very worried about Christian Yelich coming into the season, myself included. He mm-hmm. is the cog. He is the stir, whatever cliche you want to use that makes the Brewers go. Him batting third behind a normally healthy Willie Adamas, who the Padres will be missing this week because Adamas is on the injured list with a sprained ankle. Mm-hmm. So with Yelich as your focal point in the three spot, but this lineup gets a lot deeper Assuming Adamas is in the order, listen, I mean, one through six, this is a darn good National League lineup. They'll have Colton one leading off, Willie Adamas batting second, Christian Yelich in the three spot with protection behind him because he's either got Hunter Renfro or Rowdy Telez batting in the cleanup spot. Then you interchange those two guys. Andrew McCutcheon could be batting fifth or sixth. And then you still got Luis Urias available too. So Luis Urias, mm-hmm. another Padre, another yep, trade acquisition for David mm-hmm. Stearns. And it just keeps on working for this lineup. I want to see them at full strength, but this is the biggest week because the Brewers, they've only played five games against teams above 500 this season. That's the fewest in baseball. This is the biggest week of the season, a quarter of the way in so far for the Brew Crew. Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's a great point. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the trades and whatnot, because I do think the Brewers 
while I do have criticisms about their spending, you're right about the trades. And we're going to be talking about the Padres trade uh, that they made that has been killing every fiber in my body. Every single one, ripping it to shreds lately. And I've actually gotten some flack on Twitter for not liking the trade, which is crazy to me. But anyway, before we get into that, guys, let's talk really quickly about sports betting and whatnot. Maybe you want to place your bets on who's going to win these Padres games. I know Nerfy NRFI's bets are big pop and whatnot. BetOnline.net has you covered. It continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. They've got you covered for everything, guys. Wagering information, live betting, playoffs. They got eSports stuff and much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts and also just want to remind everybody thank you for making not just locked on padres but also your first listen every day free and available on all platforms including the old youtube i don't have a great fit dominic honestly has a better fit than me today i, I like that shirt it looks really colorful and whatnot i don't know what is that just a nike shirt well, but even is, nonetheless it still yeah, looks cool spring is sprung. thank you thank you i'm a big nike <laughs> cool, guy man. big Pretty shoe cool. game kind of guy they my <laughs> our uh, stadium crew here at american family field keep me sharp uh, with everything that they've got going on. Nicole and Amanda, they know who they are. And Sophia, our sideline reporter. Their Jordan game, unmatched. Unmatched. I love that. Um, but the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to the Brewers and what have you is, like I was just saying before the break, is these trades, right? And there's been some that have affected the Padres, right? One of them that I actually think, you know, last year's trade deadline was pretty nuts in Major League Baseball. My take has actually been, though, that I thought that the actually most impactful trade was one that didn't happen at the deadline is that was for Willie Adamas, who mm-hmm. the Padres won't be seeing like you just mentioned this week. But Adamas left Tropicana Field and I mean, night and day, it was insane. It, he played for the Brewers like the Rays were like insulting an insult to him. That's how much of a change Willie Adamas has been. But more specifically, we got to talk about the Trent Grisham trade, <laughs> which has been, <laughs> oh my gosh. So first of all, a lot of moving pieces to this trade, but uh, I do want to ha- ask for your perspective on the matter because Grisham, for Brewers fans, obviously with that playoff error, very infamous. That's what he was known for primarily. Padres, they come in and say, we think this guy is a great on-base threat. We've been terrible at having on-base percentage for the last like five years, heading into 2020. So they pick him up. He wins a gold glove, 250, 350, batting average on base. He slugs like 12 home runs or something like that, steals a bunch of bags. He's great. And basically since the second half of 2021, if you look at weighted on base, he's been the worst qualified outfielder among all players next to Cody Bellinger. I assume after this weekend series, that did not change against the Giants. So Shrink Grisham has been quite bad. Um, Can you talk to us really quickly about just, you know, Eric Lauer, how is the guy looking? He looks like a beast right now. And Luis Urias, who you mentioned, who also very quietly has been an effective bat for them. I mean, look away, Padres fans, with with what these guys' baseball references look like right now. Because Eric Lauer, you know, letting it zoom, the zoom ball, his fastball, he's shortened his arm action thanks to the geniuses in the Brewers pitching lab, uh, Chris Hook, pitching coach of the Brewers. What they've done with Eric Lauer, I mean, since the middle of the summer last year, he has become one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, I mean, even last season in 24 games, only 118 innings, he still had a sub- Three and a half ERA. It was three one nine ERA last year as a left-handed pitcher, a one one three whip as well. 
strikeouts. He was averaging about a strikeout per inning, which is the best rate that he's had in his career. And this year, it's gone through the roof. He's averaging a career-best 11.7 strikeouts per nine right now, 54 Ks in 41 and two-thirds innings. It's the fastball and the cutter combo. Majority, The vast majority of his, fast, of his fastballs have been strikeouts. He's using it as an out pitch, not just a you know strike one fastball, strike two cutter, curveball, swing and miss. No, he will use the fastball elevated to get you in swing and miss. He's a perceived velocity type guy where it gets on you in a hurry, looks a lot faster than it actually is, and the short and arm action has really helped him out. One of the best pitchers, not only in the National League, but in baseball, starting to get his due, a 2-1-6 ERA this season. He's been terrific, and he really burst onto the scene on Sunday Night Baseball against the Phillies about a month ago. Yep. Had six yep. shutout in, or one-run innings with 13 strikeouts, 13, a career yeah. high for him. Nasty, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, it seemed like. But for the Brewers, like, yeah, we, we knew this was coming. And for Arias, he missed the first month of the season due to a strained quad that he suffered during spring training. But he's come back and hit the ground running. It, it's like he hasn't even skipped a beat, and he's suddenly become – one of the most important infielders for the Brewers in especially uh, Adamus's absence because he is the only other true shortstop on this roster right now. And in 16 games, he's reached base in every single game. He's got a 293 batting average. I mean, he's he's doing his job. He had the day off yesterday. He has been everything the Brewers have wanted and more. And he's not the only example. Tyrone Taylor, who's a local kid, he's a Torrance kid going back to San Diego this week. And Two guys that just need a little more time, just need a little more seasoning, understand what's being asked of them, and they're both absolutely key role players. They're not asked to be three and four hitters, but they're doing their role. Kudos to the Brewers player development to staying patient with them and seeing potential with Urias because 2020 was weird for everybody. It was really bad for Urias. Mm -hmm. 2021, he showed flashes. He hit 23 bombs last year as the short little second baseman. You know, this is awesome. And he's picked up exactly where he left off. He's been great. And for Trent Grisham, I feel bad for him because I saw him a lot in the minors, and I was a big fan of his the way he played the game. The bare hands, just a gamer, and plays great defense too. But, you know, you're you're paid to hit, not just to make – plays and he's he's got to figure that out sooner and then well zach davies that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time right now with what he's going through and the instagrams and uh, his ex-wife that's that's a lot of heavy stuff i don't want to touch right now (laughs) yeah i totally understand and look with the padres it is fair for me to be like all right i don't mind the urias thing as much in a sense that well we had a lot of infielders and that's okay right that's okay if it was a one for one and that you say we desperately desperately need outfielders the problem is that Lauer, there is a nice shiny universe where, and here's the other thing, 26 years old, if I'm not mistaken, correct me on that. Yes, that's correct. Um, this isn't some guy who at the age of 34 might be figuring it out or might be just be having one of those, you know, lightning in the bottle seasons. It's like, what if this is just who he is? And that's been my, uh, what he's developing into, I should say. He's a guy that, yes, he can give up some some hard hard contact, but a lot of guys who strike out people the way Lauer does, does um, for sure. And you look at Darvish and my thing is Darvish is great, but I'd like to have those assets back, including uh, um, Eric Lauer, maybe for not as much money, like a loss for the Padres right now, but uh, Dominic, and I must say, by the way, Dominic, I'm a big fan of the name in general. Dominic's are one of my favorites as a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. So always like Corona whatnot. <laughs> always for sure, man. Um, you got any questions about the Padres for me? Dude, is Eric Cosmer for real or what? What is going on at first base right now there? Because he was linked to the Brewers at some point last season that the Brewers yes. take on all this money. Mm-hmm. You're going to get your first baseman. You're just going to grin and bear it if it doesn't work out. 
And now it's like the Padres look like geniuses for hanging on to him. It is it is unbelievable. And you're you probably aren't familiar with this, but a bit on my podcast is because of how nightmarish. Uh, the Padres' first baseman has been for basically his whole tenure there. Half of a, a, war, a war, I'm pretty sure, before this season, uh, over three years, right? And his best time with the Padres was in 2020 when he played 38 games. He'd been a disaster, so as a result, I refused to say his name on the podcast, which I'm still keeping up. And at this point, I'm keeping it up because it looks like it's working, all right? It looks like the bullying uh, tactic might be working on my part. It's a lot of different things. I think for one that this is a good example of why it's not just numbers. It's not just pulling up baseball savant pages all the time. And you say, maybe he heard the noise and maybe he said, I need to step up. And he really has. He's given a lot of productive at-bats. He still hits the ball on the ground quite a lot, um, but hitting a lot better against lefties and just kind of picking his spots well. He's not doing too much. And in fair, another thing about uh, the Padres first baseman, he's always been an every other year guy. He, he has never had two consecutive good years in a row, never had two consecutive bad years. That's not sure he did with the Padres, but you get my point, uh, especially yes. with Kansas City. Um, I think that what they need is for him to just not be a zero war player. If this guy can give you two, if he can give you two and a half, that's great because if you have Fernando Tatis Jr. come back, if you have May Machado, who's looking like the National League MVP at this rate, um, you have their pitching and all that stuff, and you just have some overall good depth in that lineup, that's okay. They can stomach that. Otherwise, they're in situations where they want to trade him and Chris Paddock, Emilio Pagan, Ryan Weathers, and whatever the heck they can, and eat some of the salary to the New York Mets, which is one thing that was rumored uh, before the season started. I think it's a lefty thing. I think that it's him, or I should say, hitting better against lefties. I think he's been more consistent and just, there was a great video on Bally sports that they did just kind of covering that he's got a little bit of a change in his batting stance, not too much wiggle room uh, with the legs, especially when it with the front kick and whatnot. Um, hopefully I said all that right, but uh, he's definitely made some adjustments and that's nice to see. And I think that while he is going to definitely come down very rare that this fly ball and ground ball rate discrepancy is going to keep up for an entire season, especially with the fact that he's not a very fast runner. But nonetheless, if he can just be an average or even slightly above average player, it's huge for the Padres. And on top of him, obviously you mentioned Machado, but yeah. the year that Machado's putting together is ridiculous. Yeah. He's been Your eyes one, of the most, <laughs> one of the most uh, underrated players in baseball. And I know Brewers fans are cringing when I say that, given what mm. happened when he was a Dodger in the uh, yeah. 2018 NLCS. Uh Look, the dude, you got to give the dude his blouses. Eight bombs, 358 going into yesterday. What What's working for him? Like, why, why is it suddenly clicking this year? Is, is it, and especially in the year that you're not going to have Tatis Jr. until probably the All-Star break? Mm -hmm. I would say that one of my things about Machado last year was great year. Four F4, if I'm not mistaken, great defense. But he never got hot. You know what I'm saying? He never had that stretch yeah. where he's like, I'm the best third baseman in baseball. All right. Not just like I'm really great and consistent. I appreciate that. But he headed into this year and it seems like Machado is just this is probably why he's the leading candidate for the MVP, because I do put a lot of um, weight into the fact that without Tatis out, which they needed this for Manny Machado with what we talked about with Trent Grisham, with the fact that Jake Cronenworth hasn't been that effective, with the fact that there's so many questions about this Padres offense with the first baseman, with guys like Will Myers. He needed to be awesome, and he came through in every single way. Just the other day, tied his career high, or actually passed it, 
and Sunday's game for the most multi-hit, uh, uh, the the most multi-hits in his career in a single game, if I said correctly. Um, so that was great. Running up balls, he's been playing great defense. Just flat out playing great baseball. I mean, he leads the league in F4. It's been awesome so far for Manny Machado, and he's kind of stepped up at the right time. He's always been capable of an MVP season, but it's never quite fully come together. One of the years in Baltimore, one of the best offensive players, they moved him to shortstop, and I guess he was just kind of like winging it. (laughs) I don't know what happened that one year when he stopped playing really good defense. And then the year before, one of the most unlucky years with his ground ball, right, and his BABIP and stuff like that, right? Now everything seems to be coming together and the Padres absolutely need it. And I can't wait to see if he's able to keep it up because at this rate, he's showing that he's not going anywhere anytime soon and absolutely might have a a case to be made for a Hall of Fame case at some point in the future. It's shocking to me that he's only been in top three in MVP in one year and that was the Mm -hmm. shortened season in 2020. That's shocking to me. I I think Mm -hmm. back to his 2015 season when he really came out, but... 35 bombs, 502 slugging for the whole season. He was only fourth in MVP. That's the highest he had previously been in a full season. Uh, how's Bob Melvin been, by the way? I mean, Bob Melvin and Craig Council are like best friends, by the way, mentor and mentee for uh, what this series is going to be for these two guys. Yeah, absolutely. Bob Melvin coming back from um, a, a, an operation recently, and he just rejoined the team for San Francisco. Uh, so that's that's really great. But before we before I answer the full question, let me just say, Maybe something that's been helping the Padres this year, man. Maybe Manny Machado. What's been happening is that they started taking some athletic greens. Yeah, right? I got some those promos, baby. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, our next partner, guys, is a product I use very, very often. I started taking athletic greens one because honestly, just good start to my day. I think is the way that I like to explain it. I'm not a super health nut or anything like that, but athletic greens is really healthy for you and it helps you out. In a lot of ways, here are some health facts. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat uh, keto, 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 uh, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, gluten free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, helps you sleep better, uh, lots of different vitamins. Um, AG1, athletic greens, I should say, is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, which is super helpful. I never got into the old cold brew coffee stuff, but that's really my thing, guys. Love starting off my day on the right foot. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. How about that, that man? Um, and now let's keep it moving. Dominic. Wait, you already asked me about Bob Melvin. There we go. Bob Melvin. <laughs> um, my guy. Yeah, that's that's I mean, he's been great. And for the Padres. Yes, it is true that sometimes people, maybe do they overestimate uh, the impact of a manager? Some people would argue that. I think that it's good to have, after what happened for this Padres team in specific, which is what I can talk about, you had some reports in The Athletic that there was a, a, a large amount of locker room drama and whatnot, more than usual, if I'm not mistaken, is what the quote had, which, granted, it was a big collapse. I would kind of expect that to be happening, but even still, 
I do believe that Jace Tingler, and according to a lot of other sources, that kind of lost the locker room, that you have the Tatis and Machado argument, which blows up. Then you bring a guy in like Melvin, which I've said many times, on top of the winning acumen. Yes, I know he's had some weird bullpen things and whatnot. On top of the winning acumen in Oakland and previous teams, overachieving teams, on top of that, it also showed that A.J. Preller, Padres GM, was just paying attention and saying, you know what, maybe I need to bring out a guy who's just really, and maybe he's just not an extension of the front office, which is something that people have criticized his last hires for, like Andy Green, like Jace Tingler, who we knew from Texas or was someone that he's been close to before. Instead, he reached out and said, Melvin, you got to come in because this team is super talented. You've got the most exciting, talented player, arguably, of the generation here. Like, come on by. Help us fix this. And so far, I've enjoyed it. I actually think that while it is not... I don't like to say that the the humble pie is the only way, that you have to just be strictly business. No, you can be, you know, extravagant and have your fun out there and be, you know, have a personality for sure. But I think after last year, with all the swag chains and stuff and how it ended, I actually think a really calming influence and just kind of being a guy that players respect, right? I think that that really, and they seem more focused than ever, honestly. And I, and watching the team last year, loved every second of it. But when it's not working, it's not so much fun. And you look a little bit silly when you're hanging swag chains, when your team is having the greatest collapse in franchise history. So, yeah, Melvin has been super awesome. And another underrated one, Ruben Niebla uh, being brought over as the pitching coach. That was must because we talked a lot about Eric Lauer. The Brewers probably knew this. Uh, an old, uh, old saying, not an old saying, but they said, Padres pitching. You should probably make trades for those pitchers because they haven't been very good at developing them. So bring in a Niebla, another sign that the front office is at least noticing some of his issues that they've been having recently. And and for, for the Padres, too, you, you are pitching in a pitcher's ballpark, which certainly mm-hmm. should help them in theory. And you, their pitching staff, is the only starting staff as a whole that's really got – it's you and the Yankees that are the only teams that are really competing with the Brewers starting staff as among the best staffs yeah. in baseball. And that is including the Mets. And that is including, you know, what Chris mm-hmm. Bassett's doing. Now they got Scherzer out for a couple of months. DeGrom hasn't yep. picked up a baseball since spring training. So I'm counting the Mets out in that. It's between you guys, the Yankees, and the Brewers for the best staffs in baseball. And you even don't even have Snell healthy right now, really. Now Clevenger's back on the IL. I mean, you guys are yep. making it work. Next man up is is Mackenzie Gore legit. Uh, it seems like Sean Manaya has really worked out for you guys as well. Yeah. Take me through that uh, pitcher's room right now. Absolutely, man. And let's start with Gore first. I love to talk about Mackenzie Gore. Uh, great outing for him against the Giants the other day. Yes. My, the one critique you could say is a lot of fastballs, relying heavily on the fastball, but it's playing. You want to look at run value? Go for it. You want to look at whiffs? Go for it. Whatever it is, Mackenzie Gore's fastball. And on top of that, forget – I don't even almost care about – oh, well, he struck out 10 against the Reds. I kind of don't care about that stuff because it's Gore. He's a rookie. And given his really tumultuous kind of development, going from the literal number one pitching prospect in baseball not too long ago to just falling off a cliff out of nowhere. He's in the 60s range, and everyone's saying, what's going on? He has no control. He is painting the inside corners with that fastball. He can have it rise a bit when he needs to. And he's still working on his sliders and curveballs and stuff. So he does have the off-speed stuff. But the fact that the fastball is playing so well already at his age, immediately against major league hitters, if those other pitches start coming along, we are looking at a, a bona fide kind of ace for the Padres staff. And he's been huge because of the health mentions, right? It's Blake Snell starting off the season on the IL. Mike Clevenger also on the IL. And then 
just landed on the IL again uh, two days ago. So with Gore, that's really the biggest story uh, when it comes to why the Padres have such a complete rotation. And then, of course, you got Joe Musgrove. Love that man. Leads the league, or at least tied for the league lead in quality starts, um, which I know isn't the be-all and end-all when it comes to stats and what have still you. still a but good number, though. Yeah, it's still a great number, and I'd say that that's kind of the definition of the Padres right now. They might not have a Corbin Burns. They don't. I'm not even going to say they, they might not. They don't have a Corbin Burns who goes out there, seven innings, one hit, 17 strikeouts, or whatever the heck he's done recently, right? <laughs> um, they don't have that. They don't even have I – I would actually argue they might not have maybe a top 15 pitcher. You could argue, though, Joe Musgrove is in there. But they have all the depth in the world with their rotation. And that's what's helping them win. It's very rare that you go out there and it's inning four – and the Padres have already given up five. That just doesn't seem to happen, aside from a bad Darvish start early on in the year. And aside from maybe Nick Martinez, who's like the six in this rotation. I don't care if Nick Martinez struggles sometimes, if he's the six, right? And not to mention, he's looked really good out of the bullpen so far. Watch out for that changeup, uh, Brewers homies over there. Uh, very lethal pitch. It's one of the best changeups in baseball right now. So even he has his value. That's the thing, is they don't need... There are other teams who have a Manaya or a Musgrove, and that's it, right? And then they're just hoping to kind of weasel by, pick up some dudes like the White Sox the other day that they can pick up Johnny Cueto and give them a good start. With the Padres, it's about consistency, and they really need that because their offense isn't exactly one that's going to light up the world. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, you, and you're going to see some good stuff. Now, tonight it's Adrian Hauser going for the Brewers, mm -hmm. who most other teams would love to have their two or three the, the reality is he's the five for the Brewers this season. Ground ball specialist, Adrian Hauser. But then you get to see Corbin Burns tomorrow in game two of the series. And then our wonderkind, Aaron Ashby, getting the start on Wednesday mm. in the finale against you, Darvish. Wait till you see this slider changeup combo. He'll throw more sliders and fastballs. Left-handed, lanky, and you blink, and it's just nasty. He's been on a roll right now. So mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a huge series just for – really for the Brewers to figure out who they are. We know what the NL West looks like in that the competition yeah. that you guys get to play on a daily basis between what the Dodgers keep on doing, the Giants are for real again, and the Rockies and Diamondbacks have surprised some people with the quality yeah. of their teams. And Not too bad. The, the problem that the Brewers face is that, look, they own the Pirates. The Pirates are better this year, don't get me wrong, but they just got stomped yesterday 18-4 to to the Cardinals. The Cardinals <laughs> can't pitch, but when they play the Pirates, it makes it look like they can pitch. The Cubs can't play mm -hmm. well right now. And the Reds are rebuilding. So it's it's a two-horse race in the Central. They don't get these high-leverage, you know, sweated-out type games that I think this series and the Cardinals, which is who are the Brewers facing after this weekend, this week's series against Padre. It's going to be a huge, huge week to figure out if the Brewers are mm -hmm. legitimately pennant contenders in the National League because they're going to have to beat a team like the Padres or the Dodgers to get into the pennant. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, the, the 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 Pirates are down atrocious. Let me tell you, the Steven Matz for the Cardinals threw three pitches, their starting pitcher. What ends up happening? The Cardinals win 18 to four. Brutal. It's just four Pirates fans, man. But yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a huge test case. And the last time the Padres played the, the, the Brewers last year, it wasn't, you know, the Padres kind of head into town as the super favorite. And I watched the Brewers. It's kind of an annoying team with the pitching, right? Maybe people oh, didn't annoying. exactly know. Yeah, you take that back. <laughs> Not annoying. <laughs> what, what's what's a better word? Do you think just meticulous? What's I don't know what a word is for the for the Brewers. Well, Precise. they're just a, a great team. Precise is a good word. That's a good word. And one of the things I remember writing an article about that some people uh, from Brewers County disagreed with, which 
fair. I'm not a Brewers fan that they had a little bit of like those Mets vibes when they had, you know, Syndergaard in their prime and they had DeGrom and they had Matt Harvey where it was like this three headed monster. Yeah. 2015 Mets. They had this three headed monster and then they brought in Yoenis Cespedes to be their anchor for you guys. It looks like that was Willie Adamas for last year. Hopefully it's, it's going to be Yelich for them, but you can win baseball games that way. And I think with the Brewers, I'm very curious to see Colton Wong, I think is incredibly underrated. Um, Great glove. Just solid. I just feel like you're you know what you're getting from that guy all the time. If Yelich is back, even just a little bit, it's a really fun series. I think, especially for baseball nerds who want to see good pitching. Ashby, I've been hearing through the grapevine a little bit about this guy. I already know about Lauer. Who is Lauer going to be available in this series? Is he scheduled to pitch for this one? Lauer is scheduled to pitch in the opener against the Cardinals on Thursday. So okay. you will be okay. missing Eric Lauer. You will be seeing Urias. You will be seeing mm. one of the best bullpens, if not the best bullpen in baseball. Oh, yeah. Seven, eight, mm. nine, Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, Josh Hader. Josh Hader is the best closer on the planet right now. It's yep. it's gonna if it's a one run lead, hold on to your butts because the Brewers, if they hand it over to that seven, eight, nine, you know, it's over. Wrap it up. It's over. Yeah. And for the Padres, I will say, uh, Absolutely not the case when it comes to the bullpen. The bullpen has been easily the Achilles heel of the team so far, partially because of a lot of injuries. Pierce Johnson, Drew Pomerantz, Tim Hill just got back from the IL. Um, Just just a good amount of injuries that have happened so far. So, you know, we'll have to see if maybe Nick Martinez comes out of the bullpen and maybe he can be effective there. But the only thing they have super going for them for sure has been Taylor Rogers. He's been one of the best closers. Uh, and just in terms of overall giving up runs, slightly better, maybe I think than Josh Hader, but Josh Hader's still better. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to front, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing anything silly, but that's the only person really that you have to be super terrified of if you're the Brewers, um, unless for some reason they get Drew Pomeranz back tomorrow, which they're not from what I've heard. So hopefully uh, we get a good series, man. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. This should be a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot about the National League pecking order after this week. And uh, looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Thanks uh, for jumping on and having a little crossover crossover fun with this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Everybody, go check out Locked On Brewers wherever you get your podcasts. Go check it out on YouTube. If you want to see Dominic's lovely shirt, you could check that out, of course. Um, at Dom Catronio on Twitter, everything is linked. You know, you know how it rolls. Uh, Dominic, do you have any last final words? Any last plugs you want to get out there for the good people? Plug you, Javier. Thanks to all of our friends at Locked On Padres, of course. Javi Peno over on Twitter. Two eyes and Javi. Uh, and really appreciate you hopping on here, chatting a little Padres. Brewers obviously don't get to stay up and watch you guys all that much. So uh, I will be staying up, bringing all the recaps for everyone here in the Central Time Zone. And uh, we'll have some fun this week, man. Absolutely. Sounds great. Everybody stay safe. And of course, stay faithful as always, my Fire Faithful homies. Take care. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.